You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. It's great. We're now going to read from the Bible. In fact, we've got Naomi giving us the reading this week, and it's going to be John chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. Thanks, Naomi. John chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Brilliant. So we're looking this week at I am the gate. And in fact, we've got Mark, who's going to be speaking to us from that passage. So thank you so much, Mark. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Mark. I'm one of the elders here at Redeemer. It's great to be with you virtually this morning. Thank you, Naomi, for doing that Bible reading. Hopefully you'll have found it in your Bible. We're looking at John 10. I just want to take this moment to say thank you so much to Pete and Nikki for doing the last six weeks of preaching and hosting You've served us so well, so thank you for that. We've got a few more weeks, maybe even months of doing this, so it is awesome that Pete and Nicky are able to serve us at Redeemer so well from their front room, so thank you for that. I've really enjoyed the last few weeks of the I Am series. We're going through the seven I Ams that Jesus said. They're a famous set of sayings, and each of them points to something different of what our future eternity looks like, all pointing to a a pasture that we get to enjoy when we meet Jesus in heaven. But I want to look firstly at chapter nine, just before we go through those verses that Naomi's read. Jesus has healed a blind man remarkably. He has caused a real stir in the city and he has healed this guy who's been blind from birth. And actually the Pharisees who Jesus is talking to in this chapter have said that this guy has been blind because of something that his parents or even his his heritage has done or that's a sin. And so they've said this guy is blind at birth because of something somebody else has done. And Jesus comes in and heals him and the Pharisees can't quite believe it. This guy testifies that Jesus was the one that heals him. The city goes crazy and the Pharisees are really angry that he's been healed. They're really upset that Jesus has healed him. And they don't actually know why. They question, why has this happened? How is it that this guy has been healed? Jesus said in one of the last verses of chapter nine, for the judgment, for judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. He's speaking directly to the Pharisees who hated him straight off the back of chapter nine. It goes straight into chapter 10. There's no break. There's no contextual break at the time. It's one episode. So this once blind man has been thrown out of the synagogue, out of community, after testifying what Jesus has done for him. 
Jesus goes and finds him and calls this man back to himself. That's the background we have in chapter nine, going into chapter 10. And it's also the theme that Jesus will use as he continues to speak to the Pharisees. So let's take a look at this, these few verses, the first 10 verses of chapter 10. And I just want to explain some of the simpler elements quickly first. So when Jesus is talking about the sheep, just to be clear, that is us. That is God's people. We are the sheep. Sheep are defenceless. Sheep are dumb. That's us. Guilty as charged. Then the gate. In this context, the gate represents a God-sanctioned right of entry. We're going to look at that more in a moment. The true shepherd, Jesus, has come through the gate. That's exactly what Jesus has done. And the coming of Jesus has been spoken about and recorded throughout the prophets in the Old Testament. As many of you will know, Jesus coming fulfilled so many prophecies and then he fulfilled even more when he died on the cross and rose again, which we celebrate at Easter, of course. And thirdly, the thieves and robbers in the passage. In its context, it means those Pharisees, those religious false leaders that Jesus is speaking to. Not only did they not protect the flock like Jesus is doing, they actually went further and tried to steal from them, tried to lead them astray. They robbed them of who they should really be. So speaking to the Pharisees, Jesus was essentially saying, you are the thieves and robbers. You are robbing my sheep. You are robbing my sheep and you didn't come through the gate like I have. You didn't come through the true gate. I have come, Jesus is saying this, and entered through the gate in according with the prophecies and the scriptures and the will of God. And I call my sheep from this pen, from this sheepfold, when they hear my voice and they will follow me and I will lead them out. So as you remember, sheep, although they are dumb, they still know who their master is. They still know who's looking after them and they still know who the gatekeeper or the shepherd is. In those days and even in some countries today, sheep are all put together, even though they're owned by different farmers. But the sheep know who their farmer is, who their gatekeeper is, and they will be led out by them. Jesus is the gate. So why does he communicate with the Pharisees like this? The Pharisees saw themselves as a gate to heaven. They saw themselves as these leaders by which others must enter heaven. They care more about their own will than they do about the will of God. And so it is with many Christians today. They get weak in their faith and they'll follow any teacher that comes along, any weird online preaching, any weird online testimonies. We should not be carried away by heresies and errors. We must know the true voice, Jesus speaking to us. And he can tell us that he, he knows when we're in communion with him and he sends his messenger Jesus to earth 2000 years ago. And today we have the Holy Spirit to help us hear from him. Previously, we've said um, Jesus comes through the gate by the will of God to lead the sheep, lead us out of the sheepfold. But he makes a subtle metaphor change in that in that idea of being the gate. So firstly, it's him coming and calling his flock. Secondly, he's saying, I am the gate and any who enter through me will be saved. So let's just have a look at what it means that Jesus is the gate and some of the benefits of coming through that gate with him. Some translations, some of your Bibles will say door. Some of your translations will say gate. There's, there's subtleties in both, but 
Um, for today, we're reading the NIV. We're using um, I Am the Gate as part of our series. But I want to think about my house for a second and think about your house. And I'd like you to count the number of doors or gates that you might have in your house. Now, if you live on a farm, you might have some gates. If you live in London and Ealing, like most of us do, um, you'll only have doors. You won't have gates. Although I do have a gate in my front yard. I have 13 doors in my house. There's not that many, not that many rooms in my house. Normal size house. I've got 13 doors in my house. Only one of those doors goes to the bathroom. Only one of those doors goes to the street. There is an exclusivity in each door. There is an exclusivity in what each door is there to do. No matter how hard I try to get to the street by entering the bathroom, I'm going to fail. And equally, if I started trying to run a bath in the street, I might get some strange looks. There is no way I can make my door to the street get me to the bathroom and vice versa. Each door has a purpose. Jesus is preaching against false gates, false prophets, if you will. And moreover, an idea that we see prevalent today, that any gate will get us to heaven. Jesus is preaching against these false prophets, against these false ideas. There are some people today that will say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But do you actually have a relationship with the living God? Have you walked through that gate with him? Just because you go to church at Christmas, tick a box on a form for government that says, yes, I'm a Christian. That is false. Jesus is preaching an exclusivity that actually the Pharisees found really offensive and some people today will find offensive. Jesus didn't say, I am the gate of salvation at the moment. He didn't say, oh, well, there are other gates that will come and go and you'll probably get to the same place if you go through those. No. He didn't say, in the end, all gates lead to salvation. There is a very interesting analogy here with the story of Noah and the ark. In Genesis 6 and 7, many of you will know the story. God clearly says Noah built an ark with a door. Noah built an ark with one door. And most commentators would liken that to the saving grace that God gave Noah's family saving them from the flood. And in fact, if you read those stories in Genesis, you'll know that Noah was trying to invite other people onto that boat with him. Just as we are supposed to do today, and we'll go through that in a minute. In Genesis 7:16, it says, And those that entered, male and female, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. The tabernacle was the same. There was only one gate, one entranceway that you had to enter in God's prescribed way in order to enter the tabernacle. So there is this idea throughout Genesis, throughout the history of Israel, that God is shutting the gate. And this is great news for us as believers because it speaks of the security in our salvation. But it also reminds us that those who do not know the Lord, there are those that do not know the Lord. I wonder if you've ever been in a queue or ever been to an event where the gate or the door has been shut in your face. I wonder if any of you have ever been in an immigration line 
and been told that you're not allowed to come into a country. Or maybe more modern day London, I wonder if you've ever been in line for tickets at a gig and you get to the front of the desk and they've all sold out. Or in more Corona times, I wonder if any of you have been trying to get a delivery slot on Morrison's. Last week, I was 155,000th in the queue online to get a Morrison's delivery slot. Do you think that I got a slot? No, I did not do so well that day. There are plenty of examples where the gate is closed to us. But today, Jesus is the door to salvation. He's our gate to salvation. And he is absolutely open to anyone who wants to come. That is the inclusivity of the message of the gospel. Whether you be black, white, rich, poor, from Ealing or from beyond, believe it or not, there are people who live beyond Ealing, you have the invitation from Jesus to walk through that gate to him. But there will become a day, just as it was in Noah's day, when salvation can no longer be found. Scriptures reveal in a few passages that that day will come. And Jesus offers us a gate for anyone, but warns that at some point it will be shut. We are dumb and defenceless sheep, remember, and we need a saviour. We need guidance. It says Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. And somebody asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And he said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow gate, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. It says in Luke 13, there will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. This is an encouragement for those of us who believe but it is an urgency of telling others about Jesus. It is an urgency. And this is why we're putting on the Alpha course next week. It starts next Tuesday, the 5th of May, in two days time. We want to go out and tell people about this good news of eternity with Jesus. It may be sharing what we've learned with other Christians and encouraging them, but it is an external invitation it is going outside this sheepfold, outside of the pen, to those sheep that don't know about Jesus. We can go in the, and enjoy the fellowship with God, experience the safety that salvation provides. We are set free. We get to be with, with God forever. But these pastures that Jesus talks about, these experiences we have when we go outside of the pen, and share with others what we have seen and found for ourselves. God's promises to absolutely all of us on earth, that we have provision in him. The shepherd provides every need we have, our comfort and love. And Jesus is the gate to that real life that actually counts. Some of you will be being enticed to gates that lead to destruction. And I ask you, Jesus is the gate that leads to life, into pastures new. Even as believers, we hear that and it calls us to confess sins to him. It calls us to confess what we've done that is wrong to him. 
None of us really want to just sit in that pen forever. Actually, if those sheep in that story just lived in that sheep pen, they'd starve to death. They needed to go into the pastures to get food. None of us want to be just safe. There is a security in the gospel that we enjoy. But we are not created merely to be safe. If Corona's taught me anything about living in my house for six weeks, I am safer from the virus here, sure. But it is basic and necessary. We want to be protected from what will destroy us, sure. But we want life. We want more than mere life. We want abundant life. We want a deep life, a joyful life. We don't just want to survive. We're here to thrive at every level of our being. We were made for this. And so Jesus is there pushing back the darkness. As we heard about last week, Jesus is the light of the world. So we hear about this week, Jesus is the gate to our eternal salvation. That is the invitation we get to take to others. There are only two gates. There is the, the gate to life and the gate to death. And I would want to leave you with that question. Which one are you going to walk through today?